You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. Mic check, mic check. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. I have an important very important announcement to make. Um, I've been wanting to make this announcement for a very long time and uh, I've I've had to keep it on the DL for just a little bit because the time wasn't right. But school is back in session and I am very happy. Like, Don't get me wrong. You guys hear me complain about my kids all the time, but I absolutely and I absolutely love them love them to death. I love spending the summers with them. I love getting to do all this other stuff, but on the backside, the business side struggles because I am daddy daycare by day and I am working by night. But now guess what happens? All three kids are back in school or some form of daycare all day long. And that means one thing. That means work for me. That means putting out content for me. That means putting in I'm just grinding, just getting back to the grind. And uh, dude, I love, I love the grind. I, I want the grind. If that makes sense, I'm going to be shooting my bow more. I'm going to be putting out more podcasts, going to be putting out more video content. I might even pick writing back up because I'm going to have so much more time for activities. And, uh, I am extremely jacked about that. And you should be too, because that means you're getting a whole bunch of fresh content coming out of the Sportsman's Nation and the Nine Finger Camp. So that's what we have coming uh, this upcoming uh, week, starting today, right? It's Monday when you're listening to this. I'm up in my office on a Sunday night getting ready for this upcoming week. And uh, the good news is on a, on a, personal level is I'll be done working by the time all the kids get off the bus so I can just be a dad at night instead of having to figure out working the whole working situation you know take them to their practices and dance and or just you know mess around with them on the golf cart or on the uh, um, you know do do what dads do after they get off work so I'm really looking forward to that we have if you guys haven't checked out the um, Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel, you got to do it. You got to do it because I am, uh, we've put out a ton of cooking content this summer. I think we've put out like five or six episodes uh, of cooking. I want you guys to go out, try those recipes, give those episodes a view, like them, subscribe to them, do what all the, you know, the YouTubers say, and then let me know how that turns out when you make it. So hit me up through Instagram or whatever. But um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, man, I had an absolutely shitty day, kind of. I won't, <laughs> you know, I, I was raised in a, on a farm, right? So I saw death and had to look, um, I saw death like when animals would die or when bad things would happen to like 
a cat getting caught in a tractor motor, right? Or a kitten getting caught in a tractor motor. So my, my wife never really had to experience that kind of stuff, you know, like, okay, chop a chicken's head off. And then my grandma would pluck the feathers and we'd eat it. Right. Or my grandpa would shoot a pig and he'd gut it and, and we'd, he'd, then he'd chop it up, butcher it and freeze it. Or, you know, you go into the, you know, you, you raise a, a feeder calf and then you put them in a wagon and you ship or a, a trailer and you ship them off. And then however many weeks later you come and you fill your deep freeze with them. So it, like that is my, that was my introduction into animals. Right. So I don't have, I mean, I have a really deep connection with wildlife, but it's not like so crazy where like, and the reason I'm bringing this up and I'll just say it, like I hit a nest of bunnies, baby bunnies while I was mowing today. And I felt extremely, like I felt really bad about it because I didn't know they were there. But at the same time, I didn't, I didn't want to tell my wife because it would be a huge ordeal if I would have told my wife about the bunny. So I don't know. I'm just ranting at this point. But whatever you do, make sure you follow. <laughs> like This is such a shitty transition. Whatever you do, make sure you are following along on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Be sure you subscribe to there. Make sure you subscribe to the Nine Finger Chronicles uh uh, podcast, the Sportsman's Nation podcast, because things are starting to ramp up. September, October, November, December are are big content months, right? And we're going to be putting out a lot of content that is, you know, dedicated to helping you become better and listening to stories from other people become better. And I'm on the cusp right now of coming out with a, a new podcast series uh, on the Nine Finger Chronicles feed. Um, I think it's going to be called Nine Fingers Unfiltered, and it's just going to be me spouting, just going bananas on the mic. So uh, not freestyle rapping, but you get you get the point. But today I got to talk about some things here real quick. Um, and it it's how <laughs> I don't want to say I suck at archery because I've been doing it a long time. And when things go right, I feel invincible. Right, I feel really good. Um, but here's what's been happening lately. So at about 20 yards, I got that, I got that beer can, you know, pop can type, uh, grouping, right? You step up to about 30. I got a coffee, basically a coffee cup grouping, in my opinion, pretty good. 40 yards, maybe a softball. But then what's happening is when I get out to about 50 yards, that group is like, is huge, right? I'm still hitting the deer. Uh, cause on a, on a target and most of the arrows would still kill what I'm shooting for, but I just don't like that accuracy. I don't like that grouping. So today, um, is a podcast where I went online or I had a guy, he reached out to me and he's like, Hey man, um, I'm, I can help. I can walk you off the cliff if, uh, you need help. I, I you know, I've tuned hundreds of bows. I've sh- shot in competitions. Uh, so today's episode is basically the today's guest talking to me about what possibly could be the problem with my accuracy going to shit um, past basically 45 yards, right? And since I've talked to him, um, I've been doing a couple things differently, like uh, maybe taking a couple warm-up shots at 30 or something, but then going all the way back to 50 and 60 and shooting from there. And that seems to help a little bit. Um, and the more I shoot, the better I'm getting at that, at that distance. But, uh, regardless, today's episode is just basically one man's opinion on what I should do to try to fix the problems that I've been having at longer distances, like 50, uh, yards and deeper. So that's what today's episode is about. Um, wasparchery.com. Uh, we're going to do it for the commercials right now. Wasparchery.com favorite broadheads period. Uh, the material they use to make the uh, make their broadheads is the best in the industry, right? It doesn't get any better. After talking to uh, Fred Doherty, one of their engineers and one of the, the big dogs there over at uh, Wasp, these guys only use the best. Majority of their heads are made in America. Um, they have a variety of fixed blades and uh, mechanicals that are just utter destruction. And I've I've killed... I've killed uh, animals or deer with not only their broadheads or their fixed blades, but their their mechanicals as well. And I'll tell you right now, man, I, I just 
I love knowing the background, knowing that the material is grade A, knowing that the construction and design is grade A, and the people that work for their company is grade A. So it's just a win-win uh, when it comes to that particular product and Wasp. They just kill shit. So, uh, huge, huge blood trails. You know the rigmarole there. But if you want to, let's see. I got a discount code for you here somewhere. If I can find, I'm never organized for these things. I'm never organized. Here it is. Okay, Wasp Broadheads, twenty percent off when you use the discount code nine. The number nine. The word fingers. No spaces, 2021. So nine fingers, 2021. And that's going to save you 20% off your purchase. I strongly recommend taking advantage of that right now. Badass, badass. I've killed more deer with the uh, jackhammer mechanical than any other blades combined. So there's that. Uh, The next one on the agenda today is our title sponsor, Vortex Optics. I mean, I don't know what to say. The people that work for this company are the shit, right? They care about one thing, and that's making their end user happy. And what they're trying to do is just trying to create it from a business standpoint. That's the best thing to do because they're just trying to make return customers. So the next time that you need a rifle scope or the next time you need a spotting scope, binoculars, rangefinder, the first optic on optic brain on your mind is vortex and rightfully so because they make some of the most badass optics on the market period point blank period point blank and i've put my eyes through just about every optic on the market so um vortexoptics.com take a look at everything that these guys offer like i said again another grade a company Um, they care about your problems and that is why they have something called the vip warranty if you burn or back over or break or for like like destroy your optics you send it back to them they fix it for free and then send it back to you no questions asked so uh that right there is worth its weight in gold so uh vortexoptics.com and lastly hunt stand okay so you can go to the google play store or wherever you download your apps and download this app first off for free play around with it then if you want to upgrade to the um, elite package i believe it's 30 bucks a year 29.99 whatever so 30 bucks a year for one of the best mapping hunting apps on the market period right it allows you to do so many things like track your deer through trail camera picture um, they have like a trail cam pick software drop your pins right drop your little dots on a map and it lets you um basically collect data on a variety of different maps so you put your pins down you hey you want to look at a topo map boom pick up a topo map you want to look at satellite imagery boom pick up the satellite imagery you're creating basically a journal of all of your um hunt locations your hunt areas and that journal can be used as a reference point when it's time to move into that area and try to kill a deer or an elk or whatever it is you're scouting for and trying to uh, collect data for so if you want to find out more information about hunt stand you can go uh, download the app and just mess around with it or you can go to huntstand.com and take a look at all the functionality that this app offers and i'll tell you uh, from using it for a while now uh, it has a lot of functionality so those are the commercials that's how i pay my bills that's how this podcast comes to you for free and i'm not asking you uh to support any type of money um like give me any money (laughs) uh, like other like a lot of other people do but hey it is what it is today's episode is kick ass uh again before you guys go crazy and disagree with everything this guy has to say just remember that it's one man's opinion and uh if you have another opinion hit me up on instagram let me know what you think and uh maybe i'll get you on and we can talk about it as well so hopefully you guys enjoy today's episode and we'll see you on the back end three two one all right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Dane Wolford. Dane, how we doing, man? Good. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Um, so first, I'm going to give a preface. 
preface of uh, how this uh, little conversation is even taking place in the first place. Then we'll BS for a little bit. Then we'll get into my problems. <laughs> All right. So um, I, uh, I mentioned online that I was having some trouble with some inconsistencies in, in my shot. You reached out to me and said, hey, man, I'd love to walk you off the ledge. Uh, you know, I'd love to talk with you a little bit about it. I've been tuning bows for a long time and I've shot, even shot some tournaments and things like that. So that's why you're on the phone today. Right. So um, before we get into that, though, how are you doing? Where do you live? What do you do for a living? I'm doing pretty good. And uh, I'm over here in uh, western Pennsylvania. So north of Pittsburgh. Okay. And uh, I run a uh, industrial service company. Okay. And what what is an industrial service company? Well, Basically, uh, I mean, we specialize in like industrial fans, but so you go to a power plant, you know, they got process fans to, you know, run their process or steel mills, uh, stuff like that, you know. Okay. Basically, you know, heavy, heavy duty mechanical, I guess you'd say. Gotcha. So uh, exhaust fans or air conditioning units on big buildings, you guys work with that? Uh, well, we will, but yeah. you know, that's, that's like the, the real light end you okay. know, picture, you know, picture a vacuum cleaner that weighs a hundred thousand pounds. Oh, okay. Know, that's kind of gotcha. what we do. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, a giant fan took my finger off, so I don't know if, uh, like oh, a, really? a, yeah, a giant exhaust <laughs> fan, uh, got, uh, basically sucked me into it when I was working down South and uh, that is ultimately what cut my index finger off, thus calling the podcast, the nine finger Chronicles. Right. So, yeah. so there's that. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a big one and it was fast and, uh, it was honestly, it happened so fast. It was kind of painless. Um, uh, I, I went into shock obviously, but, uh, it was, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure you deal with a lot of equipment that could, severely harm you if you weren't paying attention oh yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. the the fan is usually the most dangerous you know uh piece of equipment on most job sites gotcha gotcha all right so um i'm just gonna lay it out here real quick so last week i reached out on instagram i was shooting my bow and 20 yards great 30 yards great 40 yards great even about out to 40 you know that 45 uh yard range i was real consistent decent groups you know i'm not uh, self-admittedly i'm not an archer that is just like crazy good um i'm a bow hunter i guess you got to be an archer first then you then a bow hunter but really my my groups have been really consistent up to about 45 now I'm going, I I would love to have longer consistency or uh, better consistency at longer ranges. So I practice my fifties and sixties and seventies. And what I've been finding recently, um, and even on late, you know, you know, uh, last year and the year before my uh, consistency goes out the window at about 50 and of course um, further out than that 60 70 and I don't typically even on a western hunt I'm I, you know I'm not going to shoot further than 70 yards uh, maybe even further than 60 depending on the scenario so I reached out on Instagram and I said hey um, here's my issue what's up you know any advice from people and you you sent me an, a- an actual message uh, basically saying that you might be able to to help me out a little bit and, you know maybe troubleshoot the mechanics or, or just the process of, of shooting in general. And, uh, before we get into all that, um, like break down your archery background, because you said you've, you've shot in some tournaments, you've tuned a lot of bows. Did you ever work for a bow shop? Is this all self-taught? Like, like, like break down your archery experience. So I've been, I started shooting a bow when I was 11 and I'm 46 now. So however many years that has been. And, um, most everything I've learned is either from reading or just hanging out with the right people. And, you know, if you hang out in the, you know, in, in any kind of tournament, the, 
the the level of understanding of archery and the skill is it's pretty you know some of the people we hang out with yeah and um you know i i remember i remember the first time i you know put on a fixed blade uh fred bear broadhead that thing like hit 15 foot to the right yeah. <laughs> so you know what i mean it was like you know, I was like probably 14 years old and thought, what the hell, you know, yeah. this thing was shooting good. So, you know, it's been a, it's been a learning process, um, you know, for a lot of years. And like I said, hanging out with people that are really good as well, you know, and learning yeah. from them. So, yeah. So did you, um, kind of throughout the years, did you get a bow press? Did you teach yourself how to tune your, your own bow, make your own arrows, or did you have some help from people, some mentors that kind of um, taught you uh, how to do those things? Yeah, I mean, I start. I started out. Um, I was working in an archery shop when I was young, so I learned a lot there. And um, and then you know, I got a good friend who owns an archery shop, and and uh, so yeah, I started off with very little tools. And there's ways around it all, you know, and I, I don't know if you wanted to get into that, but there's ways to make this work with little tools or, you know, obviously, you know, my son's more the one in the target archery now. He's real into it. So we've got everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's pretty much nothing we don't have because, you know, if, if you're at that level, you have to be able to work on your own bow, you know, fairly often. And, uh, but realistically, you know, what you're trying to do, long range hunting, it's it's not that much different. You know, you need a really well tuned bow and strings are gonna stretch, cables are gonna stretch and you know, you have to be able to make adjustments. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little you know, obviously I am a um I you know, I have education in process, right? So if an error happens, right, um, in a process and it's uh, the next step, it may not show up. And even the next step, or it could be within the, the realm of, um, oh, how do I put this? Uh, uh, like an acceptable amount of error, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. But once you get out, just like archery, you get out further in the process, that simple error could be magnified, you know, thus my problems at um, 50 60 70 yards and, and, and beyond so let me like when you when you heard me say this what were some of the first things that came to your mind where it's like hey i need to reach out to him uh, i i think uh this could be the problem this could be the problem this could be the problem or this could be the problem and just kind of like let's troubleshoot what some of those things might be okay so i mean i guess for for your case specifically, um, what kind of release are you using? I, I use a wrist uh, wrist release wrist, strap release with a trigger on it. Okay, so you're using an in, you're you're triggering it with your index finger. My uh, actually my middle finger. It's on my bad hand side. So um, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So it's okay. Yeah. Index finger release. Okay. Um, so. <clears throat> And when you say you're, when you say, like, I saw you had a picture, right? Yeah. And it, and it looked like the group was pretty big, but I didn't know if that was your actual group. Is that like your, is that like your 50 yard or 60 yeah. yard group? You know, that, it looked like that thing was about eight inches on diameter. Yeah. That was about, I think that was two fifties and, and two sixties was that group that I posted. Okay. Yeah. And and then you said you said you're pretty good out to 45. What's that? Mean? What yeah, so you're getting to 45. I would say that um, that group at about 45 is looking like a. Uh, let me. I'm putting my hands up. Um, maybe like a softball size. Maybe just a hair bigger than a soft, like a big a big softball. Okay, so it it's um, maybe not quite doubling in 10 yards. Uh, yeah, so ten yards. Yep, exactly. Okay. So how how much have you how much have you experimented with uh shooting different arrows? Um you know different spined arrows, different brand arrows. So 
I want to say like seven years ago, um, I had an issue where I, you know, I fell victim to the light and fast arrow world and I just could not get the consistency that I wanted. So I bumped up a couple, you know, I, I bumped up in some spines and, and still, uh, you know, had some issues until I want to say three years ago, maybe four years ago, I just went heavy, right? Heavy spined arrows, um, heavy total arrow weights, that kind of stuff. And it seemed to eliminate a lot of my inconsistencies in that 20 to 40 yard range. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. where to the point where, you know, I can shoot, you know, I can shoot, a a group, uh, a two inch group at, you know, pretty easily at 20, 30, 20, 30 yards. And then it just slowly goes up from, you know, that, 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 uh, diameter of the grouping goes out from there. But what typically happens for me is in those inconsistencies, I can see a, a, um, a similarity in the shots, right? So in, you know, maybe my grouping is low and right, uh, from, from, the bullseye or it's high and center or high and center or, you know, down and left or whatever, whatever the inconsistency could be in, in those, you know, in that. So it's, it's inconsistent, but it's consistent if that makes sense. So when I get out to that 50 yard range, it's kind of all over the board. Okay. Are you still, like I was looking, I zoomed in on the target and it looked like there was cuts, like you were shooting a fixed blade broadhead. Is that the case in those groups or are those still field tips? Uh, so I haven't put my broadheads on yet. So uh, in the next couple of weeks, okay. I'll, I'll put my broadheads on and then get every, you know all my arrows tuned up for broadheads. Yep. Okay. So, well, go ahead kind of kind of to run through this like the thought process of setting up a bow and making it consistent is uh the absolute number one thing is you have to have good arrows and they've got to be consistent from arrow to arrow yeah you know you could take an untuned bow and put it in a bow machine or you know a shooting machine with good arrows and you're going to get good groups right you know if you if you don't have consistent arrows there's nothing you can do about it but consistent arrows is also seems to be one of the you know, more elusive, the the more elusive items that tried to narrow down. And like in the target world, a lot of guys just, they just spend a lot of time trying different setups, whether it's different veins, different spines, different lengths, yeah, like that. Um, but, you know, have you, have you paper tuned the bow, um, walk back tune, anything like that? Um, so I, I, the, the long answer or the short answer is no, I haven't. Um, I paper tuned my, I paper tuned my bow with the same arrows that I've shot the last, like I've shot this bow, uh, two years now. Right. And I paper tuned it once I, once I had this, uh, this, uh, sight issue from last year resolved, I had a third angle pivot on my site that was coming loose and I was just all over the board, finally got that issue fixed. And, um, then we paper tuned it, got it all paper tuned out, right. And my consistency improved, um, you know, with, you know, somewhat of the same issues that I'm having, having now. Um, and so did I, did I paper tune my bow? Yes, I did it last year. I didn't do it this year. Um, and second, uh, walk back tune. No, I, I don't have, I don't think I've done that. I, I guess I don't even know what that is. All right. Yeah. It'll be good for me to explain that to you and it might help. Did you have this bow set up shooting better than this in the past then? Yes. Last, last year I feel like I was shooting better. Yeah. What, what bow is it? It is a, um, a CT three, a prime CT three. Mm-hmm. And you just have the factory strings on there? Uh, yes, factory strings. Okay. Um, you know, if you ever want to, if you ever want to put your money into into the right place, you know, getting an, a a good custom string uh, is tremendous help because they, when they build them, 
you know, if you get a good string manufacturer, they're going to um, stretch those strings and you put them on the bow, there's very little movement. So you can set and you have a better chance of it um, staying where you put it. Most factory strings, you know what I mean? They're just, they're mass produced. And even if it's a good brand name, because a lot of, you know, most, most, I don't know what primes come with off the top of my head, but most bow manufacturers have a well, a reputable string manufacturer, but they're mass produced, right? So right. they stretch and you, you should, you should um, probably just start kind of from square one on this bow and just check it for tune. I mean, it won't take you that long. Um, and you know, I can run you through that process. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Walk us, walk us, yeah. Walk us through the, what, what I need to be doing. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to assume you have the right spined arrow to begin with. We're just gonna, I'll I'll tell you this. There's some checks later that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you this. Um, I bet you, I, I don't want to say that certain arrows are better than others, but when it comes to a hunting arrow and how I've set it up and the research that I've done and the experience that I've had with them in the past, I would say that I have probably one of the best arrow manufacturers that I, that I know of. Um, like I'm saying out, outside of the target world, right. In, into a hunting arrow yeah. with, yeah. with day six. And, and when it, when it, when it comes to quality, I mean, obviously, that's the first thing to do, get a good quality arrow. But yeah. what I'm speaking of is more of, is the arrow right for the bow? Okay. And, but we have we have some checks that will tell us. Yeah. And, and, and at least give us a hunch if that's a problem. Okay. You know, with with a good carbon arrow and, and the way bows are built today, typically, typically you can make, you know, like you walk into your pro shop and tell them, you know, you need arrows and they tell you what spine to get, they're, they're probably going to be spot on, you know, and, yeah. and you can make the bow in most cases shoot around that arrow to make it shoot good. So it's probably not a problem. Um, but the other thing is, you know, even, even, a you know, a really good arrow, you know, there could be, uh, you, you know, the way the, the knock or the knock insert, depending on what you're running, how it sits in that shaft, it might not be running uh, perfectly true, you know? And yeah. so what we actually do is we'll take our, when we're building arrows before we fletch them, we run them all through paper, you know, and, um, we're not necessarily looking for a hole at the beginning, but we're looking for consistency from arrow to arrow. And I mean, even with the best target arrows, you find arrows that either a, you need to, um, heat that, heat that insert up and spin it you know maybe 30 or 60 degrees and try it again or sometimes you got a bad knock sometimes the inserts aren't made perfectly true and occasionally you get an error that just isn't as accurate as the other ones or, or build as good okay you know, so do you build your own um i don't fletch them but i do everything else okay so do you do you do a run out check on them before you decide which end to cut and things like that? Uh, no, the arrows that I buy ha- already have the knocks in one end, so they just need to be cut to size, and then um, I'll glue the insert in, you know, the insert with the outsert uh, into the that end. Your knocks are glued in when you get them. Uh, I don't think they're glued in, but they come in, in one end. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, ideally what you want to do is, um, before you cut that arrow, is to roll it and look for run out. Because when they tell you, when they tell you uh, from the manufacturer that you're going to get whatever that run out is, one thousandths run out max or three thousandths for, you know, a lot of hunting arrows, a lot of times that run out's on the ends, the first inch or two. Okay. And sometimes it'll be on one end, sometimes you have a little bit on both, and sometimes you don't have any, so that tells you where to where to cut that arrow you know what i mean when you go yeah. to shorten it for your draw length which i'm you look like a pretty big guy you're probably not cutting your arrows too much yeah i'll cut just a little bit off of them um but let me yeah. let me ask you okay. this and i hate to change the subject on you but do you think that my arrows are are the issues it could be one of the issues here and i'm i say that because 
of, of I do have consistency in good groups and accurate at, you know, at those other, um, you know, at those other distances. So the way my brain works is if I'm inconsistent at those, at those targets or at that, at that, I would say, okay, it could potentially be a, you know, maybe a little form, but it could potentially be, uh, uh, an, an arrow or a gear issue as well. But it's one, I, it, it just seems that this problem I'm having really awakens at a 45, 50 yards and out distance, not necessarily a, uh, those, those, those 40 and inside distances. Yeah, that that's one of the, I mean, the arrow is always the first thing that needs to be right before you move forward with a bow. But the way you described your, the arrow was one of the first things I thought. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, we've seen it time and time again, like, uh, it, it just happened to me not long ago. I got a, I got a new target bow, um, you know, last year and it was kind of, it was, it was very similar. You know what I mean? When I started moving out 50, 60 yards, my groups just, you know, and I'm probably doing the same thing you, you know, as you're doing is when I'm trying to see if there's a problem, I don't worry so much about, uh, aiming as I do just making a proper shot yeah. to see what kind of consistency. I don't care if I hit the dot. I just want to see a nice consistent group. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get that. I couldn't get that bow to, um, shoot those arrows real well. So I went and grabbed another just to try it and, of course, I had to do a little tweaking to tune the bow to those arrows. And once I did, my groups tightened right up, you okay. know, and that really didn't show up at 40 yards either, you know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, definitely could be the arrows. Okay. All right. So then it's just a, it's just a spine match to the bow, right? Cause. Okay. I know, was under the impression that, you know, obviously lighter arrows, you know, a real light arrow could have real, a lot of consistency. Okay. Or inconsistency. Um, because the, the mm -hmm. spine is flexing and it's going all over the place, but at a heavier spine than what I have, I'm shooting like 11.8 grains per inch. Um, it's a two seventy five, And that is a, um, I'm trying to think here. Yeah. It's two seventy five, eleven point eight 11.8 grains per inch. It's, you know, a stiff spine. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I guess I'm, uh, under the impression that I shoot a, a heavier spine and that that spine that, you know, once you, once this, as the spine goes up, there's less flex in the arrow. And with me shooting a heavy spine, I would say, I, I feel that there would be very little inconsistency because of a spine flexing too much. Yeah. Whenever they, when they don't flex enough, I shoot too. Okay. And typically, typically it's easier to get a stiffer arrow to tune or get, I should say it this way, to get the bow to tune to the arrow. Okay. That's what you're doing, you know. Uh, what, what spine are you shooting? It's a 275. 275. So that, that's really stiff. Yeah. Uh, how, how long are those arrows? Like 30, um, I think, I think my arrows, once they're complete are like 32. Oh, wow. You know, long arrow. Yeah. I got, I got a, and, and I got a 29, really 30 inch diameter. draw. Yeah. Let me pull up day six's yeah. website real quick. Um, uh, products and bear shaft arrows, bear shaft. Uh, okay. 300, 275s. And let's pull up the spec sheet. Shaft length, 32. Uh, yeah, so when it's all said and done, I'm shooting roughly. Uh, I'll cut a little bit off that, and then I'll put the, um, the insert in it. The, the outside di diameter is 0 0.259, um, and it's 11.8 grains per inch. Okay. Yeah. So let let let's assume let's assume for now that we, we we're pretty confident you got the right arrow yeah for a good brand arrow so that you know they're shooting true um you know wherever you like your poundage at you know one of the first things I like to check is the axle to axle and just make yeah. sure that it's um 
you know, this is also assuming you have a bow press. If you don't have a bow press, you, can't, you there's a lot of these things you can't do unless you yeah. take it to to a shop. Right. But you know, you try to get the specs on your bow. Make sure that you're within that eighth inch or whatever they call for your axle to axle, and then check your timing. And I'll you can check your timing on a drawboard, but one of the best ways to check your timing, you know, throw a screw up you know, in a board above your head and just put your D loop on that screw and pull down. You got a lot of control and you can really watch that. And again, then, you know, you're going to need, you're going to need um, a bow press to fix that, you know, to adjust that or you yeah. know, take it to a pro shop. Um, and actually, you know, backing up, you probably want to, you want to check your uh, tiller first. You, you keep your, you know, whether you keep your limbs all the way maxed out, or you, if you back them out, you know, like, because you don't want full poundages, you, you take those limbs all the way in until they are maxed out. And I just use, like, a gold Sharpie or something. Okay. Mark those bolts. And then if you do back them out, make sure you back them out even. Yeah. Um, and, and you got to check those once in a while. Sometimes they move. Uh, and then the next thing to do is check your center shot. And if you have, I'm not sure with Prime, I, I've not shot Prime, but most, most of the bows you can get on our website and get that spec or they want that center shot from the riser. And if not, you can start with a center shot tool or something like that, you know, just to give you an idea that you're close. Right. And, uh, now, and now you've, you know, take a fletched arrow, put some, put some, um, put powder on everything and make sure you got good clearance. That's another thing that, uh, can show up, especially at longer distance. If you just got a slight bit of interference somewhere, you know, you're going to have a hard time being consistent and, um, that's an easy way to check. And you don't want to chase your tail with all these other things. If you've got a, uh, interference issue yeah. somewhere. Okay. Um, like I said, we just use foot spray for that. Okay. And that, and basically what that'll do is it'll just, it'll see where the fletchings are hitting something. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Okay. All right. So we've, we've talked about the, the right arrow. We've talked a little bit about some other, um, mechanic type problems that a guy could have with it, whether the, the bow's out of tune, you know, we talked a little bit about paper tuning and, and things like that. Um, now let's, Let's jump to this, which, you know, a lot of other people have reached out to me too, and it have given me form and process type um, advice and not necessarily any mechanical advice. Like, hey, you got to make sure all this stuff, you know, obviously you have to make sure all the stuff is right with the bow, consistent arrows and all that stuff. But outside of the, the mechanic part of it, let's talk about my form a little bit. Um, from your experience, what does my problem tell you about what I'm doing wrong potentially with my form or my shot process? Well, I would say, you know, first of all is your, your bow hand grip, right? right? You know, if you're not letting that bow go off, you're interfering with that, um, with the bow before the arrow leaves leaves the bow you know that's going to cause little problems like squeezing it before uh i release or yep. or or, or uh yep. torquing the the bow yep okay so you know just keep the standard relaxed hand it's good to shoot a wrist wrestling or something if you think you're you know have a fear of um dropping the bow and you're grabbing it too early and then you know, one of the hardest things about being consistent at long distances is the index finger release. You know, it's just, um, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, realist, your wrist ain't really relaxed, you're going to have a hard time getting consistency with one of those. Like you really need to, like when you draw back, uh, like what I do is right before I go to anchor, I draw back and I make sure that my hand is completely relaxed and I'm actually holding that bow back with my wrist and not my no hand muscles yeah you know so that's that's a big one for me you know and everybody's different but that for me that's the biggest thing if i if i don't have that relaxed i know i'm not going to shoot good groups or if i go out my groups are not what they should be 
um, I'll take note of that when I draw to make sure that I'm going through that process like I normally do. Yeah. And that's something um, that would be exploited the further you go down the lane. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I noticed you, you know, you got a beard, you know, make sure you're not getting face facial contact, you know, with the string or the fletching, um, you know, and especially if you start getting into a longer draw length where you start coming around the corner of your chin. And then when you release the string, it's actually kind of brushing off the side of your face a little bit. Okay. You know, that those things, um, obviously we magnified down. So I use a I use a kisser button. So I have two anchor points, uh, a kisser button and the string on the nose. So, um, so, but what you're saying is if I'm moving around a lot or and that or those anchors aren't the same every time, there's also a potential there for uh, an issue downrange. Yeah. So so if you're so there's two different two different issues there. If your anchor isn't the same every time but you're getting a good release, you're just going to get uh, different impacts. But you could be having a very consistent anchor and a very consistent release, but if, if any of those parts are touching your face on the way uh, to brace, you're going to see inconsistencies. Like It's the same with checking your, your bow for clearance or your arrow for clearance on the bow. If there's – anytime you have interference, it's not, it's, uh, not going to be – very repeatable you, know, you can have a bow that's out of tune and it could be repeatable as long as it's not hitting anything yeah you know and um yeah you know, that's why whenever you set your bow up you try to set it up so that the arrow at full draw is actually you know optimally it would be in between your bottom lip and your chin in that little space that's you know lets it kind of glide away from your face without contact okay uh make sure your fletching's not t- against your face you know when you fletch make sure you're keeping it forward enough um and and those are things that are you know you might want to videotape yourself or have somebody else watch you we videotape all the time that's one one of the easiest ways to do it but you might not even notice that you have um if you're shooting a drop away rest and you're shooting uh cock vein up a lot of times that inner vein will be on your cheek and you don't even realize it and it's really hard to do that consistently you know how that pressure is. Yeah, yeah. And then, on what kind what kind of style um, release method do you use to make that release go off? So I just kind of um, I, I I used to play rugby and we uh, in college, and we did this where it was like touch, pause, engage, and so I'll draw back. I'll touch or I'll bring my finger up. That's the touch part of it where I touch the trigger. The pause is me getting the, um, you know, the, the pause is me getting the, uh, the, the pin on the target. Right. And the engage is me slowly pulling the trigger back. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like you do it right. You're not, no surprise. You're getting a nice surprise release. You're not. Doesn't sound like you're um, not any tar- target panic or anything. Yeah. Um, I don't really. I don't know. Uh, like for me, target panic. I, I consistently. Um, I, I I do get target. I'll say this. I get a little target panic as I fatigue. If I'm just shooting, like it's a long shooting session. Like if it's, I, I'm going 35, 40 minutes in, um, where I'm just continuously, you know, shooting and shooting and shooting. Um, and then towards the end, I get like, things tend to get a little jumpy towards the end of a session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And less is better a lot of times with archery, especially when when you're only shooting to um, to hunt. You yeah. know, okay. You know, if you if you, if you want to go to target shoot and you want to, you know, hit a half inch circle every time, sixty times in a row. Well, you know, you got to get past that. But, yeah. Um, you know, that's something. That's something I've found. You know, just less less is more. You know. Um, 
but but here's here's kind of here's kind of the thing with archery is you know you if you've probably been doing this a long time and it should be easy you know you you know your you know your skill level you know when you walk out there and you shoot a 50 yard group you know what it should be if everything's right and if it's not right um you know and and the shots feel good it's something about yeah 90 percent of the time yeah you know we're kind of all taught when we're kids like oh it's your fault you're doing something inconsistent but you know and and you know, you've been doing this long enough, you know, you know, a good shot, what it feels like, and you know, what, what your good groups look like at, you know, yeah. at your level. So, yeah. Okay. So outside of, of that, um, you know, the, the, the form, like when the process of a shoot now, right. I, I've had some people reach out to me and say, maybe it's because you're getting fatigued. Cause for the most part, typically I do start at 20, then I'll go 30, then I'll go 40 and then I'll go 50. Uh, and then back and I keep going back. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I had somebody, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Someone told me, you know, start at 40, then go to 50 and then end at 20 every night or end at 30 every night, some, some place where you're consistent and you're, you're good at those, you know, the problems are at 50 and further. So maybe start out at 50 and further and see what, what, yeah, uh, I, I, I agree to that. Um, what, what we typically do is, um, you know, if we're shooting a lot and we know, we know we're feeling good. Um, like we got games we play in the yard and that's typically where we start 60 right off the bat. We start 60 yards. Um, you know, but, but if you, but if you're working through things or, or you're rusty and you haven't shot in a week or something, um, you know, it's good to start off close. Just don't spend a lot of time there. Just go up close so that you can, uh, you know, like what I like to do, either just shoot at a blank bail or put a big bullseye up there. Don't stress out about trying to hit it pinhead you just go up there close and just make some nice clean shots up get a feel for the bow again then move back to you know your further ranges first i i do agree with that i mean um but realistically you know if you're getting super fatigue super fatigued you probably ought to take a break yeah because you're just going to build bad habits and your form's going to break down at that point okay all right um anything else like is there uh, you know, for someone who's me, I'm not doing tournaments and you said sometimes less is more. Is there a number of arrows that you, that I should shoot and, and cap it at that every night? Is there something that's like, okay, if you're shooting like shit, um, try to end positive and shoot 20, you know, end with 20 or, um, how does, what, what does a good session look like for a bow hunter? Well, you know, the rule of thumb always applies that, you know, every arrow, you know, you have to have, you know, your full concentration on every arrow. Like I always taught my kids, like, you don't go outside and just fling arrows. You know what I mean? You got to concentrate, make sure you're doing everything right. So it's going to be dependent on, you know, how brain dead you are after a day of work or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, realistically for bow hunting, you know, a couple, three times a week, dozen arrows, you know, that's really all you need. And like I, I have my target set up. If I'm just, I have an itch to shoot, I'll go take it out. You know, I leave my, I leave my hunting bow alone. I know it's tuned and I just shoot it every once in a while, but yeah, just a couple, three times a week. I mean, obviously if you love shooting, keep doing it, but just, uh, you know, know your limitations. Okay. So, um, you know, there, there's a, there's other people out there who, suggests that you know you should shoot every single night you um you should shoot as many arrows as you possibly can morning and night all these all these things um is that would would you feel that that would be overdoing it for most people yeah okay i mean some yeah if if, if you're shooting a lot and you build up to that but it that would take a lot of time and and everybody's different but right i think for most people that's overdoing it yeah Okay. So, um, you know, everything I've said and everything that we've talked about today, um, is there any other recommendations that you may have for me, uh, that would, I guess, improve me, not just at 50 and beyond, but as an archer overall? 
Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of blank bailing is probably, I mean, that's, that's a great place to just practice getting a feel for the bow and, and build muscles, you know, do you know what I mean by that? Uh, So blank bales, basically just shooting at one yard, two yards, and just, you know, basically you can close your eyes and just get the feel, the muscle memory, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then there's some other, there's some other really good, um, practices like at close range where draw and just hold, just draw a full draw, aim at a target. Don't, don't even shoot the bow, you know, just get comfortable aiming so that you, you know, you're not worried about target panic. Um, and you know, shooting, shooting through paper, um, also shows you your form flaws too, you know? So, and what's that show? If you're real, if you're real, well, if you're, if you're real fatigued and your and your forms breaking down, you're going to have a harder time getting a bullet hole, you know, and, and cause you might be grabbing the bow, you might be dropping the bow arm. You, you may be, um, you know, pulling against your face too much or whatever, you know, okay. if, if the, if the, if the bow tunes good when you're, or shoots through paper good when you're, you know, fresh, um, you know, you'll see form flaws when you start getting tired through paper. Okay. All right. Um, so with that said, um, is there like, is there a routine, you know, a couple, a couple nights, uh, throughout the year, you know, we talked about uh, a couple nights, you know, three times a week ought to be good for bow hunters, but is there a routine like leading up to a, a hunting season that would, that would maybe be recommended? Like, uh, you mentioned Blake, uh, blank bailing, uh, if, if you have the opportunity to do that. And then what about after the season? Cause I know a lot of guys, including myself, just kind of set it down and then they wait until spring to pick it back up again. I definitely would recommend, um, it shooting. I shoot all year, you know, and, yeah. um, I got caught one year. I had a beautiful buck under my stand and I hadn't shot a lot that year and I couldn't get my bow draw back. So <laughs> I'll, I'll never make that mistake again by being too weak. Right. So, right. um, I shoot, I shoot all year, but you know, if you need the motivation, go join a league or something, you know, yeah. and the, the nice thing about the leagues too is, you know, if you shoot a league once a week or whatever, you're probably going to be surrounded by, you know, some other guys that are, you know, really versed in tuning a bow and know form really well and probably get some help there too yeah that's a great idea the only thing about it is is i got i got football twice a week i got soccer twice a week or once a week i got dance twice a week Uh i got you know it's like like my life is crazy right now so i'm kind of limited to that backyard shooting well you know the other thing is it never hurts to take a break either right yeah a lot of times you come back a little bit more motivated, but you know, as long as you pick the bow up, um, late spring, early summer. So you have time to get those muscles built back up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I tell you what, man, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to kind of uh, assess the situation, give me your two cents. And, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely things that I'm going to look at. I'm probably going to look at my arrows. I'm going to look at my form. I'm going to probably take my bow in to just have someone give it the once over and see if, uh, the cams are timed right. And if the, uh, you know, if the, um, the bolts that, for for poundage are uh are on point and all that stuff so uh hey man i I really appreciate you taking time uh you know taking time out of your day to come on and and chat with me and uh good luck this upcoming season man yeah you too and there you have it another episode signed sealed and delivered huge shout out to dane for taking time out of his day to uh kind of walk me through what he feels i might be doing wrong i'm gonna take a little bit of what he says and i'm gonna apply it uh i'm gonna look over my gear i'm gonna probably take it into a shop to get it you know make sure the cams are timing right make sure everything's uh mechanically um is going on with it and then i'm just gonna keep shooting right i i have a very i'm very confident that my arrows are the right arrows all right but other than that um 
I'm just going to take a little bit of what he says and a little bit of what other people have told me to do, and I'm just going to apply it, and I'm going to find out what works best for me. And, uh, you know, I got three I got three weeks until my next hunt, and I am confident that in this next three weeks, especially with the kids back in school, that I'm going to be able to put a lot of time in behind the bow and uh, really work on this accuracy and start uh, you know, turn that into the tack driving machine that we all want come season. So I'll get her done. I'm not too worried about it. Um, but other than that, thank you, Dane. Huge shout out to all of the partners of the podcast. We have Ozonics, Lone Wolf, Exodus, Trail Cameras, Excalibur Crossbows, Wasp Broadheads, Vortex Optics, and Hunt Stand. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And um, other than that, man, follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook, Nine Finger Chronicles. Be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation podcast uh, or the YouTube channel. And not a lot of people will listen to the very end of this podcast. But here's a spoiler. I'm going to be giving away some hunting gear here very soon. So keep listening to the podcast for when and how to enter and win. So uh, I got some uh, I got some extra equipment that I'm going to share with you guys this year, and I'm going to do a giveaway. So please, uh, please follow along on social, follow along on the podcast. Who knows where I'm going to do it yet? So you're going to have to follow on all these places. But... Thank you very much. Have a good day. Remember, treat your neighbor like you want to be treated. Be positive. Send good vibes in to the world, out to the world. Send good vibes out to the world. Accept the good vibes coming back in and hunt your balls off this upcoming season, man. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.